Scripture reading this evening will be taken from 1 Kings, chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. 1 Kings 3, 5 through 9. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? If you've already got your Bibles open, just leave them open there to 1 Kings chapter 3. The lesson is entitled, Why We Need Wisdom. And every single one of us does. We need wisdom to navigate our lives. We need wisdom to be adults. It wasn't so long ago, and I won't name names, but there was an intern here at Katy that came to my office one morning and said, Brother John, adulting is hard. And I could do nothing but empathize with the young man. Adulting is hard. We need wisdom to be able to adult. We need wisdom to be able to navigate the many, many different issues that confront us. Need wisdom to be able to talk about political issues or moral issues or life issues with other people. We need wisdom in so many different aspects of our lives. And one of the questions that we need to ask as sincere Christians is, where does that wisdom come from? In 1 Kings chapter 3, Beginning in verse 5, we have the record of King Solomon, and he asks God for wisdom. He could have asked God for anything, but out of all the things that he could have asked for, he asked for wisdom. Let's talk about that tonight. The word wisdom is the answer to two main questions that we need to consider. Question number one is, what type of person is worth admiring? Who should you admire? Who should I admire? Should we admire the beautiful people, the rich people, the talented people, the famous people? Who should we admire? And the answer the Bible gives is, all those things may have their place, but you ought to admire people who are wise. Proverbs 31 verse 30, charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But the woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And you know what the fear of the Lord is? In another place in Proverbs, it says, it is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9, verse 10. We would do well if we would make the people who are wise in our world the subject of our admiration. Who's truly wise? A second question answered by the word wisdom is, how should a Christian measure spiritual growth? How do you know you're growing spiritually? Did you know that one of the ways in which we can measure and gauge our spiritual growth is how much wisdom do we have? 
It's a wonderful thing for people to memorize scripture. It's a wonderful thing for us to have all the answers in Bible Bowl. That's a great thing to know what the Bible teaches, but then wisdom is the ability to apply that wisdom, to apply that teaching to our lives. In Colossians 1 verse 9, listen to what the apostle prayed. He said, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not just about knowing what the Bible says, but putting it into practice. As a matter of fact, wisdom, this is John's definition, wisdom is the ability to see and to choose what's best. It's the ability to look at a situation or look at a challenge or look at a problem and to see what's best and then to make the choice, the best choice. That's what wisdom is, biblically. And wisdom has a number of components to it. As we think about different components of wisdom, I actually put this at the top of your handout. If you picked up a handout for Sunday night tonight, just so you don't have to scramble to try to write all this down because it's coming at you fast. Five components of wisdom. Number one, reverence. People who are truly wise have a proper reverence for God, a respect for God. Proverbs 9 verse 10, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You wanna be wise? You wanna see what's best and choose what's best? Revere God. Discernment is a component of wisdom. The ability to read a situation and make the right decision, to say the right thing. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have the ability to say the right thing to the right person at the right time and the right way for the right reason? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to do all of that? That's a tall order. You need wisdom to be able to do that. Discernment. Those who are discerning are wise. Proverbs 16 verse 21. Morality is a component of wisdom. This is about right and wrong. It's about good and evil. It's about what's good and what's not good. People who are wise, they prefer that which is good over that which is evil. You know, sometimes in our society, pragmatism has become the way that people make decisions. If it works, it's fine. As long as it gets me what I want, as long as it gets me what I think is a good result, then I don't care who I have to step over or who I have to hurt in the process. Christians realize that morality is a part of wisdom. We may not do evil that good may come. That's not right. Moral ideas. If you're looking at 1 Kings chapter 3, notice what Solomon asked God for. He says, God, I want to be wise and I want to be able to discern between good and evil as a king. I want to be able to do that. It's moral. Skill is an element of wisdom. Someone who is an artisan, someone who is a craftsman has given many, many hours to honing his craft, his skill, so that he uses wisdom as he comes to his work. Performing tasks with excellence. I believe that we could use more of that in the Lord's church. I believe we could use more of that in all of our individual lives, not just settling for good enough, but to work with excellence because God's name and God's glory are worth an excellent effort. In Exodus 28 verse 3, God spoke about the artisans that were helping to build the various aspects of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, and he said, I've put a spirit of wisdom in them so that they can build with excellence. Component number five, justice. Wisdom and justice are married together in God's word. 
It's not enough just to say there's been an injustice and something needs to be done. We must use wisdom in assessing how we're going to deal with this injustice, how we're going to rule in such a way or make decisions in such a way that God is honored. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says it's wisdom personified. Wisdom is speaking and wisdom says, by me, wisdom The rulers and the princes govern. By me, the governors make their decisions. It's by me, wisdom, that all this happens. Justice, the ability to respond to conflicts in God-honoring ways. All of these are aspects of components of wisdom. And so as you look at 1 Kings chapter 3 with me tonight, we're just going to look at this chapter in some detail. Verses 5 through 28, I want you to notice that Solomon prays for wisdom, God answers his prayer, and then there's evidence that Solomon is wise. This, This issue, this account with the two prostitutes that come with the question about whose baby is this. And as you look at this particular passage, there are some lessons for us to think about and appreciate when it comes to wisdom and its origin and why we need it in the first place. So notice if you would with me, first of all, this evening, there's a request. Solomon is going to be the king. He's the new king. He's David's son, and he has just acceded to the throne. And the Bible says that God comes to him in a vision at Gibeon by night in verse 5, and God basically writes him a blank check. Solomon Ask me, what should I give you? And I want you to notice as Solomon requests wisdom, I want you to notice there are some things about the prayer that Solomon utters here. He's speaking to God, it's a prayer. I want you to notice some aspects of prayer that honors and glorifies God. Notice in the first place that the thing that Solomon asks for when he asks for wisdom, it is rooted in the promises that God has made. If you want to be better in your prayer life, think about what God has promised to do and pray according to those promises. Look at verse six. He talks about how God has been good to his father David. God has continued to be kind and merciful to David. And then when you get down to verse eight, it's really interesting how the Old Testament captures this. In 1 Kings 3, 8, your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people. And then he says, they're too numerous to be numbered or counted. He's using the same kind of language that God used when he promised Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants so numerous that they can't be counted. And so as Solomon is asking this thing of God, he's thinking about the kind of God that he's talking to and how God has been good throughout the years, throughout the centuries to his people. God, you have always blessed your people. You've always been interested in your people. You've always kept your promises. God, based on those promises, I'm gonna make a request. And then notice this, as Solomon makes this request, it demonstrates an humble dependence on God. Listen to how this man describes himself and ask yourself, do I think of myself this way sometimes? In 1 Kings 3, verse 7, Solomon says, Now, O Lord God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Wisdom and humility go together. Just like wisdom needs justice, wisdom needs to be able to do justice, so it is with humility. Humility is an essential aspect of being wise. When we will humble ourselves, we will listen to other people genuinely listen. When we will humble ourselves, we will find the wisdom that God provides. 
Proverbs chapter 11, verse two, with pride comes shame, but with humility comes wisdom. And so Solomon prays to God and says, God, I humbly depend on you. I'm like a little child. You've given me a task that's too big for me. How can I possibly rule over this people? And then notice the third aspect of Solomon's request. In verse nine, he asks for the right gift. Listen to what he asks for specifically. He says in verse nine, therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. God being the king is difficult, it's hard, it's challenging, and I'm not cut out for this. I need the wisdom that you can provide so that, so that I can bless your people. I want you to notice that what Solomon asks for is not so much for himself, it is for the good of the people of God. When he prays for wisdom, it's so that he can bless the people of God with his wisdom. He wants to be able to be a good king. He wants to be able to be an effective king and he wants to be able to be a just king. Notice the emphasis on the word just. He is gonna be just, he's gonna be fair. He is going to rule in a way that pleases and honors God. And by the way, when kings rule with justice, the people rejoice. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse two. But when someone who is unrighteous rules, the people groan. Solomon is asking this for the good of the people. Wisdom, that's what I need, God. I need to, I need to know how to look at a situation and to read it and to be discerning and to be choosing that which is good and not that which is evil. Secondly, as you look at this passage, I want you to notice verses 10 through 15, and I want you to notice God's response. In the first place, it says in verse 10 of 1 Kings chapter 3, it says the speech pleased the Lord. You see that? God is pleased, and it's fascinating that God is not annoyed. He's not somehow grudging about this. He's not looking at Solomon and saying, well, all right, fine. If you're gonna ask for things, I guess it's good. No, God is pleased. It is pleasing to please the people that we're trying to please. Think about that. There are people in our lives that we really want to please. We want to, we want to do what we can to, to have their pleasure. And it's pleasing when we achieve that goal. So it is when we come to God in prayer. There are certain prayers that please God. And you know what pleases God about this? Again, it's the fact that Solomon is interested in God's people. Solomon could have said, give me what is gonna make me great. Give me what's gonna make me famous. It's all about me, 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 me. I'm gonna be the king, I'm gonna rule, I'm gonna be a great king, I wanna be number one. But that's not the way Solomon prays. Solomon seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 33. And I find it interesting that, you know, Matthew 6, is right there in that section of the Sermon on the Mount, right after Jesus talked about the lilies of the field. Don't worry about your, your clothing. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I wonder if this prayer was on Jesus' mind as he was preaching that particular sermon. Solomon in all his glory, seek first God's kingdom. God's pleased with what Solomon asks for. 
And then God says, because you've asked this thing, I'm gonna give you what you've asked for. And then God uses his divine prerogative to continue to bless Solomon with things he didn't ask for. So Solomon pleases the Lord with his prayer, and then God says, and by the way, all the stuff that you could have asked for that you didn't ask for, verses 11 through 14, things like verse 13, riches and honor, I'm gonna give you things like that that are far beyond any other king in your days. Be faithful to me, walk in my ways and my statutes. It's like that with God. When we pray to God, we may be asking God for one particular thing and it's in, God's, it's in God's prerogative if he so chooses to continue to bless us, not just with what we've asked for, but with so much more. The writer of Ephesians said that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 and following. We need to come to God in prayer. God's responding to Solomon. And then notice verse 15. It's an interesting verse. The Bible says Solomon awoke and indeed it had been a dream and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings and made a feast for all of his servants. So the thing the Bible says that Solomon did upon awaking was he went and he worshiped. Why did he do that? Some have suggested that Solomon was so grateful that God had answered his prayer and God had promised to do this, that these were sacrifices of thanksgiving. And that's certainly, that's certainly part of what Solomon's doing. I wonder also if Solomon is seeking God's forgiveness. He's offering these sacrifices as a way of atonement for his sin, because that, that was what you did during those days in the Old Testament. Because Solomon realized, having spoken to God, I need God's grace and mercy. I need God's forgiveness in my life. And I'll tell you something about wisdom. We are not gonna treat people with very much wisdom if we think we've got everything together. If we think that there's nothing wrong in our lives and we don't need God's forgiveness and we don't need God to cleanse us from our sins, if we think that we're living a perfect moral life and if people would just be more like me, then I, you know, everybody else would be wise and, and I've got wisdom. If that's the way we're thinking about ourselves, there's not very much wisdom in us. Isaiah, when he saw a vision of God in Isaiah chapter six, the first thing he said was, woe is me. Then he turned his attention to preach to people about their sin. I believe there's something in, in verse 15 here in 1 Kings 3 about that same concept, that same principle. Solomon realized he needed God's mercy and forgiveness and that is wise as well. So there's a request, God, I'm not able to lead these people. There's a response. I'll give you, God says, all that you ask for and so much more. And then this passage gives us the result. Let's take the wisdom that Solomon has out for a test drive, shall we? Let's see what kind of king Solomon is going to be because he's asked this thing from God. Let's take this out for a test drive and see what kind of king this, this man's going to be. So in verse 16, now there is a problem that comes to Solomon. And what a problem it is. It's a she said, she said kind of thing. It says in verse 16, two women who were harlots came into the king and stood before him. And I want you to notice as you look at this passage from verse 16 down to verse 28, it's all about this one question about these harlots and, and their dispute. 
I want you to notice in the first place that the king does nothing else but listen. He does not speak from verse 16 to verse 22. Doesn't say a word. Listen to what they bring to him. Verse, 20, verse 17. One woman said, oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened. The third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And so we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us. Verse 19, and this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and she took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I awoke in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, I found out this is not my baby. This is not the son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, verse 22, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is your son. The first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son. The living one's my son. And they spoke this way before the king, the Bible says. What are you going to do, Solomon? Well, in the first place, notice they're prostitutes, they're harlots. Who cares whether they get justice? I mean, really, they're living this immoral life. Who knows why? Who knows what circumstances got them in this particular predicament? But these two harlots, these two prostitutes are living together. And really, does anybody really care if these two ladies get justice from anybody? So Solomon could have, if he'd wanted to, he's the king after all, he could have said, both of you are doing that which is an abomination before the Lord. Get out of my sight. Get out of my presence. I'm not going to get involved in this dispute. Solomon could have. There's also wisdom, brothers and sisters and friends, in acknowledging the dignity of human beings. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says that God created us in his image. We possess a spirit that animals don't possess. We possess a mind and a, and a heart and faculties and the ability to worship and praise God in a, in a voluntary way. We are dignified because we are human. And there's something about wisdom that acknowledges that humanity is meaningful. It's, it's, it's valuable. So Solomon listens to these two women. There's one baby, one's passed away. This one, they're both disputing, this my son. No, it's my son. The king listens. What's he gonna do? All of Israel wants to know. And by the way, the implication of the passage is nobody could have solved this problem. I mean, elders, you guys want somebody to come bring a problem like this to you Monday night in your, in your meeting? Who's going to solve this? Watch what Solomon does. The king speaks, verse 23. The king said, verse 23, this one says, this is my son and this, uh, this your son is the dead one. And the other one says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. So the king said in verse 24, bring me a sword. They brought the sword before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two, give half to one and half to the other. Now stop right there. I thought Solomon was gonna be wise. That's a shocking verdict. Really? You wanna bring a sword and divide this living child in two and give half to each mother? That's, that's your solution? But then watch what happens in verse 26. The Bible says, the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh my Lord, give her the living child, but by no means kill him. And the other one said, yeah, let him be divided. Let him be neither mine nor yours. And based on their reactions, based on their responses, 
Solomon made a judgment. Verse 27, he answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. I'll tell you something about wisdom. Wisdom listens. Wisdom pays attention. Wisdom doesn't just listen to the content of what somebody's saying. Wisdom listens to the emotion behind why people are saying what they're saying. Have you ever noticed that? People who listen well, they don't just listen to words, they listen to the emotions behind the words. If you would like to be wise in God's eyes, if you'd like to be wise in your dealings with other people, don't just pay attention to what people are saying to you, pay attention to why they're saying these things and how they're saying these things. Because what Solomon does is he pays attention to the emotions of these two ladies. That one's the mother. He listens. I find it interesting that the Bible tells us that in all of our decisions that we have to make, it tells us things like this. It says, do not judge according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. John 7, 24. The Bible says, the first one to plead his case seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Proverbs 18, verse 17. There is value, brothers and sisters, in listening. And I'll tell you something, one of the things the world needs now more than ever before is we need to start listening to other people. And we need to listen to viewpoints that might be different from ours. And we need to use wisdom that comes only from God to discern between good and evil, between right and wrong, between what's just and what's unjust. We need God's help to be able to navigate what's happening around us today. That's what Solomon asked for. And here's the verdict in verse 28. All Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered and they were in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. He gave justice to that prostitute and her, her child. And if the king could do that for that prostitute and her child, imagine what he could do for the farmers and the blacksmiths. Imagine what he could do for the other people in Israel. This man is exceedingly wise. When you use wisdom that comes from God, the ability to choose and to see what's right, what's best, when you use that kind of wisdom, you'll be a blessing to the people around you. Solomon was a blessing to the people of God. And maybe you ask the question, all right, well, where do I find that kind of wisdom today? You know what? The Bible tells us to pray for it. James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. That's a promise. You need wisdom. You need to be able to discern, to choose what's best. God promises to give you wisdom if you'll just ask for it. And even more than that, wisdom, brothers and sisters and friends, is bound up in Jesus Christ. He said in Matthew 12, verse 42, Jesus did, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Over in Colossians, 3 verses, or Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
come to Jesus, obey his will, serve him, and God will bless you with the wisdom you need to faithfully follow him and to bless the people around you. We need wisdom. Just as much as Solomon did, perhaps even more, we need wisdom to be able to honor God, to be able to bless people, to be able to navigate the world in which we live to the glory of God. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a New Testament Christian. If you wanna obey the gospel, put on Christ in baptism. That's how you become a child of God. When you are baptized, you participate in the new birth, John 3, verse five. You're born into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, into the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. If you're ready to make that decision this evening, or if you'd like to ask for prayers, we can pray for wisdom for you. Because I know, I know a bunch of us are struggling with a lot of really weighty, substantive issues in our lives. We ought to pray personally for wisdom, but we're happy to pray with you for the same thing. If you need to, honor, if you need to respond to the invitation this evening, why don't you come forward while together we stand and while we sing. Oh.